Happy Friday. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm the other host. My name is Chris Henry. I'm of the EAA Aviation Museum up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And uh, quite a week here uh, on this, this particular week. We've been watching them uh, putting together big hunks of uh, Saturn V. Uh, at least, <laughs> at least that's what it looks like on the movie. I mean, they're all just standing in front of a big green screen, but it just it it does seem to seem to come across pretty well. It does. It really they they did a really good job considering how you know this movie was made in the '90s. I mean, so um, to be able to put it together that that good, I think, is really a statement to to how much work they did to try and get it to look right. Yeah, and yeah, I I keep thinking the funniest part about this is when you're putting together the Ravel 132nd model of this thing, this is exactly how you're picturing it while you're gluing the pieces together. <laughs> oh yeah, you feel that you are, you know, there putting yeah. that thing together. <laughs> yeah, it's um I I'm very impressed by the lighting cuz when it, you know, if anybody that's ever been inside the VAB, they ha- those those doors are translucent and the whole thing has that kind of uh uh, kind of a cloudy day inside when you're when you're inside it's just very evenly lit you know thanks to the natural florida sunshine um but uh they they even got the lighting right uh, on it very uh very impressed by that well you know something i never got to talk about was i i've never been inside the vab i got to look inside once from a door but um but the vab itself i you know it was weird i had gone to kennedy space center i'd i'd seen the saturn five i'd gone through that experience and I thought it was all really amazing. I thought it was awesome. But you got, and I got chills different points throughout the tour. But when I got to the VAB, it felt like I was I was at NASA. I mean, that's yeah. That's, there was just this sort of patriotic feeling about seeing that building for some reason. Yeah, it's the only one of its kind. I mean, there is no other. Oh, you mean the other VAB? No, that's the <laughs> VAB. That's where you go, and it it just has such a history. I mean the. The things that happened inside of it and just just 3.5 miles away from it uh, are staggering how much history has been uh, rolling through that place in the past 50-plus years. Um, and uh, just very impressive. You know, and one of the most impressive products of, of the VAB is the, the Saturn V that they're assembling there. Um, I I have a I, – when, when I was a kid, I, I know people have – different things like i enjoyed like gemini was my favorite uh, my favorite spacecraft but on the saturn 5 and this is going to sound very odd the saturn 5 my favorite stage was the uh, s2 the second stage i always thought really it would i mean it's kind of like it's kind of the jan brady it's the middle child that everybody (laughs) forgets about and to me it was like one of the most complicated pieces of uh of engineering um the the s2 was built by um by North American Aviation, and it's such a complicated thing. I mean, you look at the S4B and you say there's a there's a J2 engine at the bottom of the S4B, and that's really cool. But the S2 had five of them, and they were they were throttleable and they were um, they were restartable. None none of them were ever restarted, but they could actually um, you know as as we'll talk about later on in this in uh, in this movie about about twenty minutes from now, we're going to see that you know they can. Just because one of the engines, if one of them goes out, four of them could get you into orbit just by burning longer and just changing the total impulse uh, to uh, to match what was needed to get you to orbit. But the the biggest thing on it was um, an idea that came out of Von Braun's team 
von, von Braun had um, had this idea. There is, the biggest problem in any of these things is the weight of the ship and outweighing the fuel uh, and the thrust needed to get into get into orbit and they were having a problem with figuring out how to save weight on the s2 they needed it's a it's a liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen were the only two fuels in there they're very they're super cold fuels and uh, they you know they mix they're highly efficient but it's very difficult to keep something that cold and the other problem is is that the you know if you're building a tank to keep them as cold as as can be um that's going to cause weight because you need insulation so what von braun's team uh came von braun's team came up with was they built a common wall between the oxidizer and the uh, fuel the uh, you know the uh, the basically the the hydrogen and the oxygen they built a common wall that of two half cone half uh bowls facing inward so they formed two chambers but they shared they shared the same wall so it saved it saved a fortune in mass uh, to get into orbit and just the genius of that in this little ship that was i mean just like the lunar module was only built for space flight the uh the s2 never you know it never flew by itself it was never tested by you know getting launched by itself it it the first time it was launched was on apollo 4 and it was an all-up test and it did you know it performed uh, perfectly fine. And, um, you know, it never, it never saw the end of the road and it never saw the beginning of the road. It was just this thing in the middle. And I always felt bad that it kind of got ignored, but I'm sure, you know, there were hundreds of people that worked on this, uh, this amazing bit of engineering and it just kind of gets lost in the mix. That's my little, uh, campaign to remember the S2. I don't think I'll ever look at an S2 now without thinking about Jan Brady. That's uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's a pretty good analogy. (laughs) Uh, Marshall, 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 yeah. (laughs) That's Uh. fantastic. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's, I I think a lot of people don't even understand, um, you know, to the, uh, to the folks that are maybe just in it, into it for a passing, um, you know, glance that the Saturn V staged. I, I was surprised to hear some people at one of the space centers, they were talking about why is it all broken up into sections, how the, the restored Saturn V was displayed. And they had no idea that it would actually stage, you know, the, the wow. whole thing didn't just go out to the moon. See, they need they needed to build a model and they'd understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, a model and there's a fantastic Lego set out there. It's, yeah. Uh, pretty fun to build. Yeah, it's just, I, I mean, it's, it, it is all about the weight, as, as much weight as you can discard. Um, the idea of, of staging was uh, kind of a, a latecomer to uh, to building rockets. We really didn't get into multi-stage rockets until really the uh, the WAC Corporal, the the, the WAC Corporal that was a V two with a uh, a Sergeant motor put on top of it, so that it would uh, the V two would take off, and then uh, once it reached its peak uh, peak altitude, it would stage, and then the the secondary rocket, the sounding rocket that was on top of it, could go to a higher uh, altitude and uh, staging is very tricky as anybody who's ever done model rocketry knows how difficult staging is because you've got to get the thing to ignite while it's not plugged into anything else and it's you know at speed you have to make sure that the uh, the fuel is down the you know at the right end of the uh, at the right end of the rocket and the first thing I mean the first thing that happens when you when you're uh, launching the rocket everybody knows that that famous picture which we'll come up to in a couple of minutes of uh, you know the first stage staging, and then the interstage falling away between the first and second stage. But one of the big problems is, is once you stop that thrust of the first stage, 
the second stage has nothing pushing it up, so it becomes weightless for the you know for for means means of uh, calculating what's going on inside. So all this liquid liquid oxygen liquid hydrogen is flowing around inside the uh, uh, the ship. So there's around the outside of the bottom of the second stage there are what they call ullage motors, which kind of push their their little solid motors that push the uh, the stack of the remainder of the uh, Saturn V up into the sky just a little bit more, just to give it a enough of a nudge that with inertia, the, the liquid hydrogen, liquid oxygen fall to the bottom of the respective tanks and will go through the pipes so that the, the, uh, the rocket, uh, the, the motors that are on the, uh, that are on the rocket engines, the pumps can, can pump that fuel into the reaction chamber. Uh, and this, you know, same thing with, uh, with the S4B, the S4B has small ullage motors that would, all they did was shove the, uh, shove the ship in the opposite direction so that they could get the fuel in the right spot to uh, start, start the motors. Wow. Some of those motors probably have like more horsepower than cars on the road today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's stunning. I mean, there's, I, it, the, I think the, uh, at least with the F1 engines, the, fir- the first stage engines, I think they said that it could drain a, an Olympic swimming pool in 30 seconds. That's right. So, I remember that figure. Could yeah. you imagine watching that? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> just being being anywhere near it while it was, you know, <laughs> you just just, just uh, watching the thing hammer away and drain an Olympic swimming pool. Yeah, <laughs> be, yeah. I, I, I got I, almost like the, I'd pay to watch that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think <laughs> there should be a GoFundMe on that. I would, I would watch it. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're watching, you know, and then of course they're building. They build the stack here. Um, I know there's there's a lot of things going on in the movie where people are talking and stuff, but right now I'm just so focused on the uh, the the Saturn V. As we watch the S2 is being connected with the uh, the S4B above it with that fairing, and uh, the S4B had just the one J uh, J2 engine. It was fired twice. Once it was fired to after the second stage cutoff to put it into Earth orbit, and then it was fired again for what they call TLI or translunar injection. So it was a restartable engine. Um, if it weren't the J2, it would look like the old um, uh, Saturn 1B had an H, um, an H1 engine. I'm, I'm going to say H1 or H2. I think it's H1 engine. The H1 engine and the J2 engine are very similar, except the H1 engine, you needed to put a new starter. It's basically like a, a Roman candle. You'd have to stick in it once to, to start the engine the first time. But the uh, the J2 engine, was re- it restarted itself, basically had a spark plug that it could uh, kick off and, uh, and keep the uh, get a new combustion running. It's amazing. You know, they always talked about how many moving parts there were in a Saturn V. And, uh, you know, the uh, what was it? If if just 1% of the parts didn't work, the, the mission would end in disaster. Yeah. And, uh, and you can see now why. I mean, those machines are so complex. Uh, still, to, to date, I think the most uh, complex machines ever built by mankind. Yeah, they're they're really stunning and it fascinating that the uh, the S four B was built by um, uh, Douglas Aircraft Company, and originally it, and Douglas had never done uh, liquid hydrogen, liquid oxygen fueling. The only one that had uh, background in that was the uh, Convair Company. Convair built the uh, Centaur rocket, which was the first liquid hydrogen, liquid oxygen uh, powered spacecraft, and they had you know they had a really good background and uh they were kind of the front runners for building the s4b for nasa but the uh the nasa administrator at the time uh, keith glennon decided that uh, douglas aircraft should do it because if convair got it then they would have the monopoly on all liquid hydrogen fueled 
things and he he wanted to be able to have like competition and being able to if something went wrong with a conveyor company he'd be able to go to douglas and say well you know they didn't work out so we've got somebody else that knows how to build these kind of things so he kind of spread the spread the knowledge base around smart move actually so yeah it absolutely is Anyway, they are a beautiful ship. <laughs> and then we get to the uh, the woman who asked how to go to the bathroom in this place. But we, fortunately, we, uh, Jennifer covered that for us nicely <laughs> yesterday. So thank you, Jennifer, for uh, the very, for filling. The very famous and lovely Jennifer on answering yes. uh, how to go to the bathroom in space. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I keep I, – I have been unable to find out the lady that asks the bathroom question. And she just – she looks like a Howard. And I was trying to figure out there were so many Ron Howard's moms in this movie as uh, as Jim Lovell's mother. And Ron Howard's dad's in this movie. He plays the priest that comes and visits at the Lovell House. And I just looked looked at this woman, and I thought, is that Bryce Dallas Howard? But at the time, Miss Howard was 14, so I think she's a little bit older than 14 in this uh, picture. So I just I don't know who the redhead redheaded woman is. But if anybody out there knows, IMDb doesn't seem to know. So just kind of uh, sad not to find out. Uh, it is nice seeing uh, the congressman who's who's played by. Uh, the great Roger Corman, legendary uh, low low budget monster movie fellow. Uh, he uh, directed. I think he helped. Uh, he was the producer of Eat My Dust, which was uh, Ron Howard's adult movie that he you know he he made. I think uh, a lot of people that uh, had their start with Roger Corman always put Roger in their uh, in their movies. So this is kind of his uh, touching base with Roger Corman. <laughs> And uh, then we get uh, introduced to uh, Deke Slayton here. Well, let's talk about uh, the uh, chief of the astronauts uh, here, uh, Deke Slayton, who just walks in off the uh, freight elevator. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, that is uh, uh, the ultimate man's man, Deke Slayton. You know, I mean, uh, head of the uh, head of the, the manned astronauts there. Um, it was really funny. Uh, Frank told me a story once that uh, he wanted him to do something. And Frank said, uh, you know, no, I don't want to I don't want to do that. And then uh, Deke quickly remind me of who worked for who. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, if you know Frank, that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, uh, Deke, of course, was one of uh, two, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, walking wounded. Uh, Deke had an arrhythmia and was pulled off the uh, – he was just about to get launched after uh, John Glenn. He would have been the next, the next one up. And uh, – he, uh, uh, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, he was pulled off because of a, a heart arrhythmia and, uh, sidelined for, uh, the next 15 years or, uh, tw- 12 years. Um, uh, Deke tried, you know, tried the best he can. And the, the way that he, he got around things was he, uh, uh, joined in as a uh, head of the astronaut corps and, uh, Later uh, joined with uh, Al Shepard, who was also sidelined with uh, Meniere's disease. So the two of them uh, made up all the astronaut assignments and crew assignments for uh, for the Gemini and Apollo missions. Um, and <laughs> both eventually returning to uh, uh, to active flight status, including uh, Slayton, who managed to uh, push the rules through that uh, you know what would be required for him to get back on on board, and uh, he got passed and wound up on our final Apollo mission, uh, Apollo Soyuz. He had an amazing life. He was an amazing man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mostly he he learned not to be a 60s guy. I mean, the way he got rid of a lot of his arrhythmia was he quit smoking. He did a a daily uh, exercise program, gave up coffee, 
and uh, he took massive doses of vitamins. So uh, he was, you know, by becoming a health nut, um, it actually saved his career and got him into space. Wow. Yeah. I mean, talk about a a full life lived there. I mean, uh, uh, just an amazing guy. It's funny because me and my friends, it's kind of funny. We actually have our own favorite deeks from different episode you know different uh movies or whatever like my favorite deke is from the earth to the moon deke and uh my friend tom his favorite deke is apollo 13 deke uh, he's, he's more realistic so yeah. <laughs> um it's all kind of uh, funny of who who we like to portray them better yeah and i was i always like that uh, uh from the earth to the moon deke is the uh, principal of the school where the rocket boys went in uh, october sky <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no just a, an amazing uh, amazing fellow he uh uh, I, there's it, it the idea of how much he wanted this that you know he would stick or he would stick around in a in an organization that had disqualified him and he did everything he could and finally achieved getting getting where he wanted to be uh, that's that's impressive um unfortunately uh deke passed in uh back in 1993 not from heart but from a, a brain tumor but uh oh, just man. a that uh, that's quite a loss because he's uh, he's an American treasure, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I feel bad because I I saw that uh, he at, at age fifty one he became the oldest person to fly in space at the time, and I <laughs> I'm a long way from age fifty one, so I feel really <laughs> old. But you know, for for his first flight, he spent two hundred and seventeen hours in space. So uh, wow. gosh, that's still a that's. Pretty impressive record, still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we go from we go from watching him uh, chatting about you know, you know, can I talk to you about something? Which obviously means there's a plot twist coming up. But then we see uh, all of a sudden we're back in Houston and uh, Jim Lovell's wandering through the door in a beautiful gold jacket fl- and flight suit. Yeah, and um, the story I have about that it's kind of funny. Uh, first night uh, I met Jim Lovell, the first time I ever met him, I mean I was starstruck. I mean this is this is Jim Lovell. And um, we were we were here in Oshkosh. He comes over to shake my hand, and he's wearing that gold jacket. And for a brief moment, you know, because I'm so used to meeting just people that were fans of the space program, I thought, wow, that's a really cool replica of one of those jackets. <laughs> and then it hit me. I'm like, oh, no, that's actually his NASA jacket. Like, that's the real deal. That's, the one that hangs in his closet, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why it looks so good, is it <laughs> is that. <laughs> well, well worn in, yeah. Yes, uh, it's just a, a great thing. And, and by the way, Fred Hayes uh, was standing right next to him. And he was wearing the blue one or the blue gray oh. one. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. <laughs> Where do you guys shop? I can... <laughs> yeah, I know. What store are those at? <laughs> oh boy! Wow. So uh, they get, getting back into the uh, into the uh, shot here, where uh, all the kids are complaining and showing some showing some drama going on with you know trying to trying to impress on you the fact that it's the end of the '60s because uh, uh, the oldest daughter Barbara is dressed like a hippie and. Uh, mom's having a having a fight. Uh, listening to Ron Howard on the uh, director's commentary, he said that uh, a lot of this stuff came from his daughter Bryce. Who you know, what, well, what kind of dynamic would be going on? Well, what you're going to wear for Halloween, for one thing, Dad. So yeah. uh, this whole thing is from his daughter's uh, his daughter's idea. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and it also shows a you know a, a human side to these families as well, not just the. Yeah, you know, the, the, the black the life, and white historic photos. Yeah, the Life magazine. We're all sitting around eating yeah, pizza and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's it's funny centering this on Halloween because uh, I, I've already told my uh, watching Gemini Twelve launch in uh, November. The original schedule for 
uh, Gemini 12 was to launch on Halloween. They would be in orbit during Halloween. So if you look at the uh, the Gemini 12 patch, uh, you'll see a crescent moon, which says it's, which, which kind of indicates that it's the end of the it's the end and the beginning of the lunar missions of Apollo. But it's bright orange, which was for the uh, the pumpkin season of of Halloween. So uh, an interesting interesting tie in there. That is that is pretty cool. That's... Yeah. Well, this is a. This is a good good place to end with a nice uh, family squabble, but we'll we'll pick up more yeah. of the family squabbling Leave the cliffhanger. And, <laughs> yeah, and cha- changes of plans to come in the near future. Um, but thanks for uh, joining us here for the second week on the Apollo 13 Minute. If you haven't uh, already, please subscribe on iTunes or uh, Google Play or wherever you get your uh, your podcast. If you also, when you're out at iTunes, if you leave us a nice review, that would help us a whole bunch. Uh, people read nice reviews and they go, I got to listen to that. So if you would like to check out previous episodes and you're not subscribed on a podcast, you can find uh, us at the big site, of course, Apollo 13 Minute, Apollo 13 Minute.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, Apollo 13 Minute. And uh, join us on Facebook at Apollo 13 Minutes uh, Mission Control, where everybody gets, to get to talk, gets together and talks about or what they were wearing when they were kids in Halloween or whatever you want to talk about. But uh, we'll, we'll pick up more of this uh, family uh, drama and squabbling uh, next week. Uh, looks like we're coming up on Lost of Signal in 30 seconds, so uh, we'll check you out here on the other side uh, next week on the Apollo 13 Minute. Have a great weekend.